0: Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome to another episode of the Steelers Fix. It's Jeremy Betts, it's Andrew Wilbar here with you again on a Tuesday afternoon talking Pittsburgh Steelers football and doing so after another Steelers victory. uh, Andrew, we're starting to, to roll a little bit in the W department. Three out of the last four games since the bye have been wins. The only loss coming to a Cincinnati Bengals team that looks like they might be Super Bowl bound again, potentially in the AFC, a good looking football team, uh, and the Steelers hung with them. So, Andrew, how are you doing today? How are you feeling after a Steelers win? I know you got some mixed thoughts about it.
1: Yeah, like I've said before, I'm not going to ever root for the Steelers to lose, sure. but I am going to be happy if we get better draft position in a year like this, where the chances of making the playoffs are just highly unlikely, you know, we'll, right. we'll get into that in a minute, but uh, you know, it makes feelings. Overall, it was a good weekend. I mean, my Wolverines won the big 10 championship. That was good. Um, I was worried they were going to put Ohio state against Michigan in the first round, which I did not right. want, but we get TCU, which I'm thrilled about. Um, you know, overall it was a good week. We had to, got to watch some good draft prospects in action. Um, but as it pertains to the Steelers, not going to complain about a win, but man, it was looking really nice to be able to get a top five draft pick for such a long time. It would have been so nice.
0: Yeah, and I think you you started to look at it too after the first half of the season, where you're you're talking about a team that was doing some growing, right? At key positions, uh, quarterback, uh, wide receiver, with some of the young guys on offense. Uh, the offensive line has been blocking a lot better in the running game, specifically. Still, some things to work on in pass pro still some players that we'll talk about in a little bit that uh, are struggling there. But, and then on defense, I think you're seeing a unit coming together, kind of finding its, its way. They're not, they're going to bend. They're not going to break in most cases. Um, So yeah, you you saw a team that was growing a little bit, but you kind of hoping maybe this team ends up with some, with some higher draft capital than maybe they had been, but it looks like we're destined Andrew for probably an eight and nine season, And uh, middle-of-the-road draft selection. And, you know, for draft Knicks, that might not be best-case scenario. But, obviously, the team winning and the team showing um, somewhat of an identity in doing so has to be good news uh, for Steelers fans.
1: Yeah. Winning is important for a younger team in learning how to win. Um, So even though there is, you know, growth even when losing – Um, It is important laying that foundation, um, building a winning culture. It's just frustrating when that winning culture didn't start off at the beginning of the year, like some people were hoping, the optimists were Mm -hmm. hoping. And then, you know, now you're getting to this point when the the way the schedule plays out. Yeah, the Steelers can probably win a few more games the way they're playing right now. They're playing whether they're playing together as a unit, which was something that we didn't see at the beginning of the year. And honestly, I was listening to a radio station in Chicago because of course Chase Claypool got injured t- in today's game. Right, they were kind of complaining about that trade, you know, and the move that the Bears made, and talking about some of the bad moves that they've made. And the guy pointed out that since Chase Claypool has gotten traded, the Steelers have played better.
0: Yeah, they have. I, I, and...
1: I, I'd never really, I don't know, I don't think Chase Claypool is the reason why the Steelers are playing better. Right, but right. it is weird to think how he hasn't really, it hasn't really affected the offense. Not having him there, the offense yeah. isn't suffering. Without him, um, and I well, think that was something key as well.
0: Yeah, and I think that the the biggest thing you're seeing with that is the rise of Pat Friermuth. And I think yeah. that his play in the middle of the field, something we touched on when the trade initially happened, has been a huge boost for this this team. Um, you know, he's more reliable of a target than Claypool was. Pickett trusts him more. They have a good connection going. Uh, um, another. Pretty good game from Fryaruth, and from a fantasy perspective, even if you're just going off of that, uh, Fryaruth looking like a top five tight end uh, for 2023 and the remainder of this season as well. Um, but Andrew, just real quick, talking about Fryaruth, which we're going to do a little bit later. Um, you know, I think he's a guy. We saw the Steelers struggling to score touchdowns when they got down into scoring territory in the opponent's side. Um you know, I was going to ask you the question, how do the Steelers turn some of these field goal drives into touchdowns? I think targeting Pat Friermuth, maybe down there a little bit more frequently would be a a key to, to improving those numbers.
1: You would think, and it's just weird ever since the Heath Miller days, It's been like this with the Steelers tight ends that we'll use them over the middle of the field at times as we drive down the field. But for some reason, once we get to the end zone, we're targeting the Antonio Browns and the Deontay Johnsons and the smallest receivers on the field. I don't totally understand that. Um, But we need to have the big bodies use them. We were talking at draft time a couple of years ago, how Pat Frymouth could be the focal point of an offense. He has that explosiveness and he has that ability because he does the dirty stuff as well. And usually I think of guys like Bruce Arians, when Larry Fitzgerald was in the latter part of his career, they had to move him inside to the slot and they had him do a lot of blocking. He wasn't as explosive as he once was, but he would reward Larry Fitzgerald with targets in the red zone because right. of the dirty work that he did in assisting in the blocking department. I'm hoping the Steelers will do the same with Pat Fryman. Obviously Fryman is still in the youth of his career, um, unlike Fitzgerald, but even more of a reason to get him involved in the red zone, such a big body, such a big presence. And the Steelers, I believe he's a player the Steelers need to invest in long-term Um, And if you're going to invest in him long-term, why not utilize him in the area of the field where he would be most useful?
0: Yeah. And the reliable hands, I think Ben Roethlisberger made good use of Pat Frymuth in 2021 in his last season. Um, Frymuth had the most red zone touchdowns of any tight end, I believe in the league through probably the first 12, 13 weeks of the season uh, with seven, I believe is what he had at that point. And so, you know he's he's definitely a guy that can that can be that should be a focal point of the offense down in the red area. So you know my my next question kind of follows that up um, is who's really to blame here? Because you know a lot of fans go straight to oh it's Matt Canada it's Matt Canada he doesn't know how to call plays in the red zone. But I mean at some point you got to say guys you got to execute down there too, and we're seeing sloppy play penalties. Um the quarterback taking sacks a couple times in the last couple weeks, not so much against the Falcons, but um just getting down there, missing an open receiver uh on the way to the end zone, an overthrow of Pat Fryermuth happened uh this week against the Falcons. So who's the blame? Is it execution? Is it is it just unpreparedness once they get down there, or is it is it play calling? Where where do you think the blame lies?
1: I think Part of it is just a rookie quarterback. A lot of times we see this across the league. Uh, Even when rookie quarterbacks come on the scene at the beginning of the year, very rarely do they have great production once they get into the red zone. Usually if they score Mm. touchdowns, it's on big plays where, you know, a receiver just runs away from the secondary. Or those teams struggle once they get down when the field is shorter and the defense is more condensed. There's not as much open space to work with. These guys come down of college. I have these spread offense concepts. They're used to having space across the field, right. going the entire way down the field. It's different once you get to the NFL. And I think that's probably the biggest contributor to it. Kenny Pickett has done a solid job overall, and he is showing development each week. Uh, but I do think that's just one of the sh- growing pains of having a young quarterback on your team. It takes time to transition from the college approach of just everything spread out and having more open space to everything's just a little bit more condensed. Once you get down, especially close towards the goal line, it's just a different ball game. In second guessing talk about getting sacked several times in the red zone this season. Um, A lot of that, I think, is due to second guessing yourself because he doesn't have as much open space to work with. Teams that play zone, they can close quicker because there's not as much open space. Teams that man up force them to go Mm -hmm. toward the back of the end zone. It's a difficult throw for a rookie quarterback to make. I think all those things are just kind of going through Pickett's head, and I think that's probably the biggest contributor to it. It could be play calling as well. It wouldn't shock me, but I think this is an issue not just Steelers have, but a lot of teams with younger quarterbacks have across the league. I
0: tend to agree with that sentiment. I mean, you even look at guys like Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville, who um, as a prospect was basically flawless, you know, and you've seen him struggle still uh, scoring when the ball's in the red area, uh, a little scatter shot, missing some open guys. So yeah, young quarterbacks tend to uh, let that adrenaline pump a little bit, maybe too much, or, uh, you know, you, you get a tighter field, you get a, you know, a, the shrinking of the area of play and uh, it shrinks what the offense can do. And so um, you got to be more precise. There's less margin for error. And I think you're correct. You're seeing that with Kenny Pickett. So Andrew, I know, you know, we've talked about sealers losing out on some draft picks here. We've talked about, or not losing out on draft picks, but positioning necessarily. Um, We've talked about not finishing with touchdowns, but we're still winning football games, right? Against some mediocre competition here, Um, you know, similar competition to what you'd think the Steelers kind of are. The Steelers are only two games out of a playoff spot at this point. Is that a possibility for Pittsburgh this year? Or do you think teams like the Jets and, um, you know, the Bengals who just beat the Chiefs today, uh, the Patriots, even teams like that are probably going to hold on, Uh, to those wild-card spots, despite stumbling a little bit down the stretch
1: here. I'll tell you what, if the Patriots don't make that quarterback change from Mac Jones back to Bailey Zappi, I'm not sure they're holding it. Mac Jones is not doing well. I'm not just saying this because our boy Bailey Zappi. Mac Jones is not doing that well at all. And that offense is just not consistently moving the ball. And they were so dependent on their running game early on in the season. Teams have caught on. They're starting to put more guys in the box. And Mac Jones just isn't cutting it. Uh, I mean, part of it is they don't have a great receiving core either, but I don't, I don't even know if I want to go here at this point because I, I, this is the, (laughs) this is the big overreactionary thing that you hear all the radio stations talk about, you know, we could make the playoffs now. I technically, yes, it's possible. I wouldn't count on it. Sure. I I think, I mean, Baltimore looks like a winnable game, whether or not Lamar Jackson is there. I think they're a team the Steelers can beat, um, you look at the rest of the schedule, yeah, it's possible. But, I mean, it, it, it could be a good experience if the Steelers get in there just for a playoff experience for the young right. guys. Yeah. I I tend to doubt it. TJ Watt struggling to stay healthy. continues yes. to get banged up by the week. The depth overall on the defense, especially in the secondary, is not that great. And the offensive line still, um, when playing – when less to play lesser competition, there's still not a great unit.
0: Sure. So what, so what's the number? What, what would the Steeler, what would a win total look like for the Steelers to get in the
1: playoffs? I think it's possible. You could get in with a nine and eight record. Yeah. I, I think it's possible if you have a little bit of help. And I, I honestly think new England will be one of those teams that drops out unless they make a change on the offense. I can the Steelers get to nine wins. Yeah, Yeah. I, I have a feeling we're gonna go eight and nine. We're gonna be exactly what I said the worst scenario (laughs) was gonna be. Well, we will not make the playoffs, and we will be way out of draft position. What we could have had when we could have had a top five pick. I I apologize to all the homers out there. They're like, you're not a fan if you if you want a high draft pick, you should never want a high draft. Whatever, it would have sped up the stupid rebuild. Okay, how often do the Steelers get a chance to have a top five draft pick? It would have been so nice, but. I digress.
0: Sure. There you go. It frustrated Andrew Wilbar, ladies and gentlemen, but yes. Hey, uh, you know, Pittsburgh Steelers winning football games is always fun. And, uh, with that being said, we're going to jump into our two minute drills to close out the first half of the show. And after the the break, we are going to come back and talk sophomore Steelers who are developing getting better. Uh, in some cases, maybe some, not so much. We're going to talk about all of those and more in the second half of the show. But first, Andrew, let us get to our two-minute drills. We'll start with you tonight. Let me get my timer set up here. Um, Lots of players that jumped out on the tape this last week. So you got your hands full. And uh, get your pencils and paper ready, listeners, because there's going to be a lot of names flowing here.
1: And your instant reply that because you're going to need it slow down.
0: <laughs> right on. Okay, here we go. Two minutes starting now.
1: Let's start with Michigan's opponent, Purdue. Charlie Jones, wide receiver. He's had a great year for them. Thirteen catches, 162 yards. He was all over the place. Not the biggest receiver, not the fastest receiver. Probably will be a four-six guy, but he knows how to catch the football. A guy who is really trending upward toward, you know, may that fourth, fifth round range. Michael Barrett. We talked about him a couple weeks ago. Linebacker from Michigan had ten tackles and a sack. Big part in Michigan's win. Mamao Diabate, linebacker from Utah, eight tackles, six of which were solo tackles, three tackles for loss and two sacks. Florida transfer, six foot four, 222 pounds. Needs to add weight to that frame he's got the link to do it but a lot of speed going from sideline to sideline got to keep an eye on in the middle rounds Gabe Reed his teammate also had two sacks and three tackles for loss on the edge got to keep an eye on Andrew Vorhees I have to mention him because USC's offensive line fell apart without Andrew Vorhees they gave up seven sacks they struggled to keep Caleb Williams up straight and Andrew Vorhees may have had a big part in that so just Keep that in consideration when you're talking about he's in his draft stock. Jalen Carter, not had a great year statistically, only 19 tackles coming in. Had four tackles, a sack, two tackles for loss, and a pass defend was a constant presence. Cedric Van Praan, uh, Olusukin, Oluwutimi. We keep talking about these guys. These guys are separating themselves as by far the two best centers in the draft. They are leading the forces on both their offensive lines. Both offensive lines ran for 225-plus yards both Michigan's and Georgia's offensive line. And neither team really did gave up anything in terms of pass rush. Both of them were flawless on the inside. Once again, these guys have to keep moving up these draft boards. Uh, Max Duggan. Go ahead and give him a shout-out. His numbers weren't great, only 50% completion percentage, but he gave his heart and soul out there. He's going to make a good backup for some team in the NFL if he doesn't become a starter at some point. Not the most not the greatest arm, but he can make plays with his legs, and he's smart, he's physical, he loves it, he's a team-first guy. Dylan Horton, defensive line from TCU, five solo tackles, two sacks. Ty J. Spears, running back from uh, lane, 22 carries, 199 yards, average 9.1 yards per carry. Ten T-line seconds. behind him as a scat back. Div- what? Ten seconds. Oh, Devontae Brown, corner from UCF. One interception at a big interception. Dorian Williams, we talked about him last week. Ten sack, tackles, eight solo, two tackles for loss, one sack, one QB hurry, and one pass defended. Great game. That's it. Time months. is
0: up. Time is up. Wow. Man. Uh, so I'm going to give you a second to let the steam uh, stop coming out your ears here. That was a lot of uh, a lot of names. Any draft a lot of... prospects
1: that you noticed? Anyone from that list? Anyone not on that list? Anybody that stood out to you this week? So let me tell you
0: when, when you're talking about um, some of these guys from like, from the big dogs, like Georgia and Michigan, you know, probably on a collision course to go to the, go to the playoffs, you probably, or go to the oh, national <laughs> <laughs> championship. Yep. I'm
1: I'm going to wait and hold my breath. That <laughs> Dude, is still our head coach.
0: Hey, there you go. Um, you know, it's probably a lot of those guys will play themselves out of Steelers draft range now that we're talking about it, but I mean, You've got to look at a guy like Jalen Carter, who, to me, is a is just somebody who changes your entire defense if you draft him. Um, he he's Aaron Donald, he's Chris Jones, he's Cam Hayward. Uh, you know that level of talent, and I think he's that as soon as he hit the field. Fletcher Cox, he reminds me a lot of Fletcher Cox, but uh, well, he reminds me a lot of Chris Chris Jones. But you know, a lot of these guys that you're talking about, Dylan Horton on the D line for TCU is. I mean, he's such a a move guy on the D-line. He just pushes guys around. Um, So, yeah, keeping an eye on a lot of these guys. But uh, for sure, these names and others, Steeler Nation, keep an eye on them. You're going to see these guys start coming off draft boards uh, quickly. Including Uh, our own. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we're going to have a full big board coming for you. Uh as soon as January, I believe we're gonna start getting some of those out there. So keep an eye on that. I think I got some good bets and bad bets coming up here and from fantasy today. I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. in three, two, one, go. All right, we're gonna start with the bad today. Uh Gigi Smith Schuster was a guy I thought early in uh fan the fantasy season could have a really monster season. Um, could come on strong and be uh, Patrick Mahomes' top target. Only 6.6 PPR fantasy points today. He's been hurt, uh, and he got a little shaken up again today, uh, but still just not performing as a number one receiver um, in an offense that really likes to spread the ball around to a bunch of different guys. So if you're relying on him to be kind of a potential league winner as a late-round draft pick, you're probably disappointed in that to this point. Deshaun Watson in his first... Start as a Cleveland Brown, five fantasy points. That's it. The defense for the Cleveland Browns scored three touchdowns. The defense on the special teams unit scored three touchdowns for the Browns today, had almost 30 fantasy points. And you're talking about Deshaun Watson, only five, not a great start. And then Travis Etienne, he had quite the rise when he took over his lead back after James Robinson was traded. And uh, he's kind of had a little bit of a fall from grace, some injuries uh, pertaining to that as well, but uh, keep an eye on him. You want him to be healthy and ready to roll for the playoffs. But right now it's not looking so great uh, from Travis Etienne, even in some uh, high scoring games. Let's go on to some good stuff though. The Seahawks passing game is just on fire. DK Metcalf, um, Tyler Lockett and Geno Smith all scored 25-plus PPR fantasy points this week. Uh, Garrett Wilson for the Jets with Mike White at quarterback is a different wide receiver. He's a potential league winner at wide receiver uh, because he's probably the third wide receiver on your team. And then Josh Jacobs, man alive, coming on strong in the second half of this season. Another potential league winner for you. Uh, This guy is rumbling through defenses, and it doesn't matter who it is. He is pounding the rock. There you have it. Good Perfect. bets and bad bets. All right. Hey, it helps when you're only talking about six things as opposed to uh, <laughs> let me count, fourteen different players. You know, <laughs> uh, so that, I can that few. Yeah, well, you know, it was pretty it close felt like more. It. <laughs> I'm still catching my breath. <laughs> All right. Well, that's gonna do it for us on the first half. Uh, we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk the soft, the Steelers sophomores from the, uh, 2021 draft class. We're going to skip over Kendrick green, buddy Johnson, uh, and then Quincy Roche, who's not even with the team anymore. Um, uh, Kendrick green, buddy Johnson kind of have, uh, fallen off the radar really for the Steelers and, uh, are not contributors to this team in any significant way. Currently Kendrick green could be, I guess, if he, if, if an injury comes up and he has to fill in, uh, but we're going to avoid those guys for now, and we're going to talk some of the more intriguing names in the second half of the show. Don't go anywhere; we will be right back. Another day. back it's the steelers fix part of the behind the steel Curtain.com family of podcasts so much content on the podcast side Andrew. i know you and i listen to a lot of the different shows uh from btsc and another one coming up later on today the scobro show one of my favorites those two guys have a lot of fun dave and rich Schofield, uh talking up pittsburgh steelers and then right before this one uh this morning right before the steelers fix jeffrey benedict and the cutting room floor Mm -hmm. always a good listen as well for you tape heads for uh, a lot of you guys that want to hear how the schematics are going and how the steelers play football Mm -hmm. that show is for you the cutting room floor so many other shows to take uh, a listen to and andrew you and i both have content on the website that Steelers fans can check out. Why don't you share a little bit about what you're writing these days for the website?
1: Well, we're just finishing up with the college season throughout the college season had a weekly stock report guys who boosted their stock each week. A lot of the guys that we talked about on the show each week and the two minute drills uh, were mentioned in those articles. Um, now that the season is coming to a close, we may do one more of those and one more preview article. We always did a preview that came out on Saturdays before the game started. Um, but, my guess is that, I mean, when starting in the new year, we're going to start with a big board. We'll have some, I'll have a mock draft coming out maybe before the new year. We'll see. Um It's kind of dependent on my school schedule. Um, But the my hope is to have a mock draft out, if not by the end of the year, the first week of the new year. So that's something to look forward to. It's always one of the bigger articles of the year, the first mock draft. Um, And then it's going to be a lot of draft free. We may have some free agency content. Usually I do. I'm um, a three free agency position um series. Um, and then usually there's one perfect off season article that I get a bunch of flack for every year, but I still <laughs> do it um because I enjoy it. Um but oh I love the off season. It's so exciting yeah. with free agency, the draft, the combine. I love the scouting combine. With this I mean, the senior bowl is we're not that far away from the senior no? bowl. We're what coming up less than two months away. Yeah. So um that's when yeah, draft man. content really starts getting heated up.
0: The Steelers uh, and the NF- NFL season never ends for us on the Steelers fix. And many of you listening to this show as well, without further ado, we're going to jump into some sophomore reviews, uh, Steelers 2021 draft picks who are um, landing big roles with the team playing, uh, you know, important mm-hmm. and, uh, necessary, uh, snaps for the Steelers and, uh, contributing to, uh, some wins recently. Let's talk about the Steelers first round pick from, uh, 2021 and Andrew, we're going to kind of just, we're going to talk about, you know, just a little bit about them and then give their biggest strength, their greatest flaw. And, how they can improve in that area. And then uh, just kind of give them a grade here. And uh, we'll, we'll do this uh, pretty quickly. Go through these guys before closing out uh, and sending it off into the night. But uh, let's start with Najee Harris here. He had a rough start to this season. Um, he's looked better though, since the buy he's looked more decisive, uh, more impressive in the running game for sure. Um, and so you know, what are your th- brief thoughts on Harris? And then, uh, what do you think his biggest strength
1: and his biggest flaw is? Well, with Najee, I would say the biggest flaw is that he's a running back <laughs> and he can't override. About we're not talking about
0: we're not talking about where they were <laughs> drafted anymore. We're talking about the player
1: and what he's doing for the uh, team. Now. <laughs> I, as a player, yeah, it, I, I, the expectations were so high this year. So I'm can't say I'm not a little disappointed. Sure. Um I like his style as a runner, his ability to both be patient as well as be powerful. He can d- beat you in more ways than one. Um and he's versatile. He can play out of the backfield. He's a decent blocker as well. I like the fullness of his game. Um I would say in terms of flaws, um I, I don't know how much he has been hampered by that injury. Sure. Um but I really don't know if we can fairly judge him until the offensive line becomes more consistent. Um, I think that's the biggest thing when the offense as a whole just gets better. Um, I guess the biggest flaw is that we don't see the creativity in Mm Najee Harris's game that we saw with him at Alabama. Now that's easier to have when you have, four five-star wide receivers and a five-star offensive line all along the middle. And you have a superstar quarterback. Um, it makes things a whole lot easier for the running back to just go out and be free to make whatever plays he wants. Yeah. But we would see Najee hurdling guys. I'm not saying for him to do that. Um, <laughs> we would see him juking guys in the middle of the field, just blasting guys, you know, over, you know, just trucking some linebackers occasionally, yeah. just adding that extra bit of intrigue just to get the offense fired up. Even if it's not a huge run, but doing something, adding a little bit of pizzazz to his game, I think that part is kind of gone. But then again, he may not have the freedom to do that right now because the offense as a whole is just in a state of transition.
0: Yeah. And, you know, he's still a special athlete. He's a special, um, strong, physical athlete. And I mean, he bounces guys off the turf every week with his stiff arm. He uh, lowers that shoulder. He never goes backwards. So I would say that's definitely his biggest strength. I agree with you. The flaw was, um, you know, being able to create um we saw that a lot of Alabama didn't think he would necessarily need a big bad offensive line but it's starting to show that he's part of a, a run unit you know it's not just him he's not necessarily a Le'Veon Bell back there as much as we thought he might be so you know even Le'Veon I, I, Bell,
1: he yeah, struggled when he didn't have an offensive line
0: that's true and he did have probably the best offensive line in recent Steelers memory uh to run behind but um you know, you you've got a guy in Najee Harris. Uh, if we're gonna give him a grade, I'd probably say, um, you know, overall for the course of his career so far, I'd say a B minus probably is, is where I'd land because uh the efficiency just hasn't really been there. But still you see things every game, uh, one or two runs every game where it's like, okay, this this is why this is why he was uh, in first round consideration. So I
1: give him a B minus. What do you think? I don't disagree with that. I would probably give it a C minus, a half letter grade for for the draft. His, <laughs> no, <for laughs> half letter grade for being a little underwhelming this year. Part sure. of it maybe being the injury, whatever. Full letter grade for being a running back, because we're grading the pick as a whole as well. Sure, sure. And another letter grade because he's not Christian Derisol. So hey, there we go.
0: See, you know, we we're always told not to compare ourselves to other people. And yeah, here you are. Comparing Najee Harris to Christian Dariusaw, and, and you know, judging his whole his whole grade based off of that one thing that he's, hey, I put my reputation tackle. as a draft analyst <laughs> out
1: on Christian Dariusaw. I was getting so much flack after his first year where he was struggling, and now he's one of the best offensive tackles in football. So I've got a Okay.
0: Personal get vendettas aside. System. Personal vendettas aside here.
1: <laughs> out of my system. Out of my all system. All right.
0: All right. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Let's move on to the Steelers second round pick, who we talked about a little bit at the top of the show. Pat Fryermuth, starting to play like a top tight end in this league, really showing a lot of those traits. Uh, he may be, in fact, I would say he is so far the Steelers' best draft pick from 2021. And uh, it was a surprise at the time. Um, I'm gonna say his biggest strength is just um, at, at the point of the catch. He's got the strongest hands uh, of anybody that he's gonna go up against, and he's gonna snag that ball. Um, biggest flaw, maybe separation. I don't know if he separates very well at this point. You're starting to see him do that a little bit more. Really, can't really nitpick too much about him. Maybe even go to the blocking side of it if you wanted to do that. But just as a as a passing game talent at tight end, really coming together. Uh, what do you think strength and flaw for, for uh, Frymuth here?
1: Yeah, i say a strength is just consistency um, is a tight end. You don't have to be an excellent route runner to be productive. Yeah. You don't have to be able to separate if you can catch the ball in traffic and Fryermuth can do both of those. And I think with, you know, the blocking aspect, I think it's he's, he's been solid. Um, mm. I thought he would be a little bit better in the NFL than what he was just because of what we saw with him in college. But I think part of that's the fact that he also hasn't added a bunch of weight since he's been to the NFL. And I thought he was gonna add, you know, a good 10 or so sure. pounds, uh, 10 to 15 pounds. Um, I'd still like to see him do that. Um we've seen how Zach Gentry's transformed his body. I'm not saying he needs right. to get to the, quite that level, yeah. <laughs> but I think that would help him in the blocking department a little bit more because sure. he does well against the speed, the speedier guys, the twitchier guys. It's just sometimes he gets overpowered by the guys that are 30, 40 pounds bigger than him and yep. they're oversized rushes. He just can't move them. And it's sure. just as simple as mass at this point. You know, it's not that he's not technically sound.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We're starting to see some yak from the big guy too. Um, yeah on Sunday against the Falcons, he had like 50 yards of yak on one play and, uh, you know, pushing piles and stuff like that. So you're starting to see that pretty well. Uh, How would you grade the Pat Frymouth selection and and his development so far?
1: I got to give it an A. I know that, you know, people bring up Creed Humphrey and different uh, things like that. But at the end of the day, I gave it an A at the time. I don't have any reason to not like it now. He's going to become – once he has sturdy quarterback play from week to week, he's going to become – what we see now in like the Mark Andrews is the Travis Kelsey's of the world. He's going to be in the lead tight end.
0: I agree with you there. A solid a for the moose. My daughter got a uh, little moose from uh, Santa at the uh, Christmas train ride the other day. And his uh, official name is now Pat fryer moose. All right. I so like yeah. Yeah. I've got a penguin out on the front deck. That's named Sid Sidney Crosby. So we're uh, all Steelers in this household, much to my wife's chagrin. <laughs> the Browns fan in her hates uh, the Pittsburgh fan in me. But man anyway, the house. yeah, that's right. That's right. Man of the house. That's right. Uh, I'll keep telling myself that. Uh, okay. Anyway, moving on to Dan Moore Jr., the Steelers fourth, one of Steelers three fourth round draft picks in 2021. Dan Moore Jr. Not really growing as a player like we thought maybe he could um with the size and athleticism that we saw coming out of college um I don't think you were as high on Dan Moore Jr. coming out of college as as uh maybe some other um Steelers fans might have been um hard to really pick out a true strength of his but man we can we can nitpick some flaws uh you know if you wanted to go that route let's not pile on the guy here but I think probably uh the most replaceable player on the Steelers roster at this point on offense, in my opinion is Dan Moore jr. I just don't think he, I just don't think he mentally can process fast enough or whatever it is to, to handle his business. And uh, he's a penalty machine. It makes big mistakes, allows free rushers way too much. What is about Dan Moore jr. Andrew, that that makes him uh, a liability on this offense right now?
1: I think he's just a unit guy. It, Texas A&M, they had arguably the best offensive line in the country at that point, not based upon athleticism, but they were so cohesive as a unit. You had Kenyon Green, um, the right tackle, the name is slipping me right now, but I actually had a higher grade on him. I believe he ended up going undrafted in that draft. If he was drafted, it was like the seventh round. Um, but I actually had a higher grade on the right tackle of that team than I did Dan Moore. Um it's, he's very He was very scheme-specific in college as well. He is a zone-only guy. He just doesn't have the power um, to be in a gap scheme. And really, it was because he didn't have to be the leader of that offensive line. There were so many different pieces. When you had um, guy the Lions brought in over the offseason, Ryan McCollum, yes. another guy on that offensive line. Um, and again, the right tackle, for some reason, the names are not getting there outside of Kenyon green, who's of course, first round pick the next year, this year. Uh, but he had that entire offense line. There was no weakness on it. And it wasn't like one was great. One was by far greater than the rest. Green was a little bit more athletic than the rest of the guys. Um, when you saw them on tape, well coached that, yeah, yeah, they were well coached. Yeah. They were very technically sound but it wasn't, they, ne- they didn't look like separately. They're going to be, you know, great guys in the NFL. I have, I don't like using these illustrations, you know, like, Oh, my uncle, so-and-so, whatever, <laughs> you know, he was a fan, but I do have someone who was a Texas A&M fan um, in my family, uh, an uncle of mine. And he was talking about that offensive line. He's like the offensive line is fantastic. He's like, he was asking me, you know, what grades do you have on these guys? And at the time I hadn't pulled up the tape. He's like, you know, these guys are really good. Both the tackles are good, but I just don't know if they're going to be as good in the NFL because they're so cohesive as a unit and they depend sure. on one another. I feel like that's the case with Dan Moore. Um, didn't love the pick at a time. I felt it was a little bit of a reach, and I'm still, I think he's a swing tackle. That's what he is.
0: Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, I would probably grade him right now pretty close to an F. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's not anything against him, you know, but it's just he, he's not gelling with this. Unit, I think he makes Kevin Dotson worse. Uh, I I think he makes him look worse because Dotson's having to, you know, to worry about what's going on over there Mm -hmm. and the inconsistencies there. Um, And I think if you were to, if you were to put the same uh, amount of talent, skill that's on the right side of the Steelers' offensive line on the left side, you're talking about a top ten offensive line. And the, I mean, Chooks Korofor isn't anything really special at right tackle. But he and Daniels and Mason Cole play really well together, and it's just not gelling on the other side. Yeah. So, um, how do you feel about the grade for Dan Moore Jr.?
1: Yeah, I'd give it a D, probably.
0: Okay. Yeah, I mean he's had good moments, so you know F might be a little too harsh, um, especially for a fourth round pick. That's that's a shot in the dark, really.
1: <laughs> you know, well, for- it also may have been just because my expectations were low. We're low. Um, Shirt sure. off with. So I I was I was surprised when he played as well as he did last year against Miles Garrett and started showing yeah. improvement, but somehow he's regressed this year. And you know I yeah, yeah.
0: could could also potentially be an you know another coaching change uh, at offensive line coach. The Steelers have had quite the turnstile of offensive line coaches since Mike Munchak left for Denver. But uh, in any case, let's move on to uh, another fourth round pick of the Steelers, a guy that the Steelers gave up a 2022 fifth rounder to move up and get, uh, Isaiah Loudermilk. Um, you know, he, he hasn't been played, uh, that much, especially when DeMarvin Leal is, uh, not on IR and, uh, you know, an active member of the team, but I would say Loudermilk has shown a little bit to the Steelers. Um, he hasn't been super flashy, uh, but he's, he's improved, uh, enough to, to continue to be a part of this team. And, uh, it wasn't necessarily a swing and a miss for Pittsburgh. How do you feel about Loudermilk? What do you think uh, about a strength and a flaw for for uh, the Milkman?
1: He's impressed me overall. I, I mean, his tape in college was garbage. I mean, absolute <laughs> trash. I thought that, was, Super- a, that move- was a
0: traits pick, wasn't it? Just like What's a. A size speed pick, a traits pick. I mean, he's not even
1: that athletic. He has a long frame and he yes. has mass, but he's not the most athletic guy, not the bendiest guy, but I thought the series were going to use him kind of like we did as an LT Walton, put him out on the edge. as an oversized line, but outside linebacker, um, Wisconsin would occasionally use him out on the edge. Um I thought that was what the Steelers were going to do but yeah I had him like in the 340 something like that 334 343 something like that on the draft board it, he was or was that 433 I don't even know like he was <laughs> he was incredibly low I couldn't believe it he's he's the def- he's definitely exceeded the expectations I had for him he's sure. provided some depth but I'm still calling him milk dud he was not worth <laughs> trading a future fourth round pick for especially looking in this past draft at what the Steelers could have had with that pick yeah. We could have gotten some – there were still a lot of decent players on the board. Sure. Um, so I'm going to give it a D-minus, okay. barely passing an F, only because he has defied my expectations. He's surpassed them. I just I, – I still do not see a way that you could justify, based upon his performance so far, giving up a future fourth-round pick for a guy that probably, unless there's some information they came across that none of us are aware of, probably they could have gotten in the sixth or seventh round.
0: Gotcha. So now did they, did they pick him up in the fourth?
1: Uh, did no, they trade they, up to,
0: they, into the fourth with a 2022 fifth, or am I getting that switched? I bel- I-
1: no, no, they did not have a pick at all. They gained a pick. They just gave up a 2022 fourth and took another team's fifth round pick. Oh,
0: okay, so he was so we, a
1: fifth we, round They did not pick. trade a pick in that draft. It I was the fifth round pick that year for a fourth round pick. The In upcoming 2022, year, which right? Okay. okay. It was
0: not a good one. So. I got you. Yeah, that was, that's my bad uh, mistake in that, uh, that transaction there. But, yeah. Um, I'd say his, his biggest strength probably is his ability to get off the block at the point of contact. Um, we've seen him do that well, but his biggest flaw is not being able to really get push on the inside. He's not, he's not making contact in the backfield because he's not getting push. He's kind of just wait for him to get to me and then I'll get off this block and make the tackle. He's pretty good at that, but, uh, you'd like to see a little more push out of a guy in the middle of the defense for sure. Uh, I'm going to grade him probably C minus. You know, D, um, uh, no expectations really there. Um, other than, you know, they they did trade away a futures pick for him. So, you know, they must like something about him, and I haven't really seen that quite yet. But still, a guy that, that has been playing well when given spot duty uh for the Steelers. One of my favorite draft picks from 2021 is Trey Norwood. I think he's underused in this defense. I do not see any world or any reason in the world why Arthur Millett gets 15, 20 snaps a game for the Steelers defense and Trey Norwood is either without a helmet or, you know, coming in for spot duty at safety. Mm-hmm. I think Norwood would be by far the better cover man in the slot. Um, so I just don't, I think he's underused. Um, I think he's, he's very good uh, attacking the football he is that Swiss army knife. His versatility is obviously his biggest strength. Uh, his biggest flaw is probably consistency uh, in coverage. Um, but I, I'd still say he's better than Arthur Millett. Uh So, you know, those are some of my thoughts about him. What do you think about uh, Mike Tomlin's Swiss army knife? That was a seventh round pick in 2021.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you as it pertains to Arthur Millett. Um I'm not as big a fan of him just because, his, his athleticism makes it difficult for him to close on defenders he has the instincts he knows what's yeah. coming when he sees the quarterback looking a certain way I agree but it's that. just some of it is just athletic limitations <laughs> and you can't have him in man against anybody because he gets beat by double moves mm. so it, and it doesn't even matter the athleticism of the receiver he's just his start and stop ability is not good when he stops his motor it takes him a while to re-accelerate um and i think that's some of his limitations in coverage. I would give it a C. I'd say it's average. Yeah. He had a solid year last year. Um I wouldn't say a, that he's really done anything this year to make it, you know, wow, this was an excellent seventh-round pick. The steward really found a gem here. But, you know, he's on the roster still. Expectations right. can't be too high. I'm just going to go right in the middle with a C.
0: Sure, I'll get I'll go with a plus on that C just because it is a seventh-round pick and because he's made some significant contributions to the team. He fills in well um if he's called upon to uh, you know, cover even just a game in, in spot duty for an injury or something like that. So uh, I'll add a plus to that, that C of yours there for Trey Norwood. I like the kid. I think he is a good, a good ball player. Um, And I think he can continue to grow moving forward. Uh, all right. One of the most uh, polarizing picks in, in the recent Steelers draft history was their final pick of the 2021 draft uh, Presley Harvin, the third and uh, Andrew, I'm sure you could reel off a list of, uh, of names of, players at more prominent positions that uh, the Steelers passed on in either... Even at Hunter. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) uh, You know, either uh, later on in in the seventh round, they were taken after this pick or even in, uh, you know, uh, free agency afterwards, uh, undrafted free agency. But we're seeing a little more consistency out of big press recently, but we're not seeing that big leg that he was famous for in college really at much at all especially this year uh they're really relying on him more to be a placement type punter and uh you know maybe that works better for him this way uh so i'm just not seeing that i think his biggest strength uh is his ability to, to kick directionally um in the punting game but his biggest flaw is that he's so inconsistent typically uh when he's asked to boom the ball deep and uh that is you know not working to the sealers advantage and so uh, what do you think about uh, Presley Harvin third?
1: See, when Jordan Berry left, at, right after he left and he was picked up, he did better than what he did when he was in Pittsburgh.
0: The Vikings, was, right?
1: Yeah, and yeah. you look at Brad Wing before him when he left and went to the Giants, did better than what he did in Pittsburgh.
0: All of, the,
1: all of the punters that have been in Pittsburgh in the Danny Smith era have typically done better once they've left Pittsburgh. Than when they've been in Pittsburgh, you can talk about Danny Smith and about, you know, you know, the creativity he brings, you know, and the, you know, the way the Steelers have been able to create turnovers on special teams. I'm not saying it's all bad, but the return game has stunk under Danny Smith for the most part, unless the Steelers had Antonio Brown back there on a kick or punt return. Kick returns have never been a great thing for the Steelers. Um, And then punts. I don't know if I, all I can figure is that is his philosophy to not worry about downing teams deep, whether he doesn't trust the gunners, whether he doesn't trust the unit as a whole on special teams to get down there. Mm. I don't know, but not every punter that comes into here that has the ability to kick the ball 60 yards down the field can't just have, you know, 25, 35 to 40 yard punts. And then they finally have a long one. It's like, there's some, there's a trend going on here. I don't want to place all the blame on Danny Smith, but at the same time, why is this the same case with all the punters the Steelers bring in? It's not just yeah. Presley Harvin. It's been every punter the Steelers have had in recent memory.
0: I agree. And I think um, I think if the Steelers had made the right decision um, last year, Corliss Waitman is the punter for this team this year as opposed again, to though- – what would he have done? Yeah.
1: if, you know, he hangs around?
0: You know, and you you saw his struggles as well in, in preseason last year. But I agree. I I, I don't know if it's the Steelers just don't spend much time with that that portion of special teams or, you know, Danny Smith's in there creating all these things and he forgot to have punt practice earlier today. Hey, Danny, uh, I don't know.
1: He does, let me share a Bible verse with Danny Smith. He that's faithful in <laughs> that which is least his faithful also in much Amen. focus preach. on the little <laughs> and it
0: will pay off preach preach uh yeah so i agree with you there uh, i'm gonna grade the presley Harmon pick uh i'll go with a d plus it, it doesn't do anything for me um you know he's all right he had a really good punt against the falcons Um, uh, pinned him and probably uh helped lead to that pick uh for minka fitzpatrick which would have been a pick six except for Minka uh, wisely and rightly stepping out of bounds. So, um, you know, I would have liked to see that on the scoreboard a little bit, uh, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, so you gotta, you gotta give credit where credit's due. Uh, big press has, has not been the reason the Steelers lose football games at least since he's been here, but still uh, you could have, you could have gotten uh, taken a flyer on somebody else with, uh with more impact in the game at this point.
1: Yeah. I'd say C minus.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there were some good picks in 2021. Um, You know, I think you and I both agree that the Steelers um, addressed the trenches a little too late in that draft and they're paying for it a little bit in 2022, but you know, they've got some players that they can build around Pat Friermuth, Najee Harris, I think is still a guy you can build around. Um, They just need to get it right this year. They need to get in the trenches and, and put together a unit that uh, helps these guys shine. Uh, so yeah, it was, it's one of those things where they may have done things a little bit out of order. They have a chance to rectify that this year. And uh, you know, maybe, maybe if they do that, then maybe we're looking at a team that's competing for far more than just that disappointing eight, nine record that we think they're going to hit this year.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. Well, that's going to do it here on the Steelers fix. Andrew Wilbar and I will be back with you again next week uh, talking some more Steelers football, hopefully after another win against the Ratbirds coming into town at Akershire, Akershire stadium. And uh, we'll see uh, you guys next time on the Steelers fix for Andrew Wilbar. I'm Jeremy Betts. We'll talk to you next time.